Queen Mode Collective. Welcome to another episode of The Queen's Table. I'm Jax, your host and proud Queen Mode ambassador. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners and elders of the lands from which you are listening to this podcast. In this episode, we speak with Tale Ilu. Tale is a photographer, community advocate, and founder of Faces of the Straits, a social media platform which showcases the beauty, diversity, and stories of Torres Strait Islanders. Tale is often seen with a camera in hand when she's traveling back home to the Torres Strait and to her hometown of Saysia in Cape York, ready to capture stories and showcase culture. With calm and down-to-earth woman, we are ready to be inspired by her journey. Queen Mode Collective excited because today I get to speak with the beautiful Tala Ilu. Hello sis, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you going? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this Queen Mode interview. I've been dying to yarn to you more casually as a friend, as a sissy for so long now. Um, I think COVID took its reins and ran away with the things we could do, but um, yeah. I'm really, like, excited for the Queen Mode fam to learn more about you and the amazing amount of work you do um, all across this world. So can we start, first of all, by telling everyone who you are, who your family is, and whereabouts you are residing now? Sure. Thank you. Um, so my name is Tale Ilu. Um, I am a... Torres Strait Islander, Saibai Kadal woman, and also a Fijian woman. Um, I'm living in Saisia community in Cape York, which is one of the two Torres Strait Islander communities uh, that's actually based on mainland Australia. And there's a, a long story with that. But um, yeah, my father is a Saibai Kadal man, and Saibai is a small island um, quite close to PNG. Um, and in the 1940s, my grandfather moved his family and his brothers from Saibai to mainland Australia to reside on Ungamuthi country. So the place that we currently call home, um, the Aboriginal name is Itunji. And in the 1940s, um, our Torres Strait Islander family settled there and was able to change its name to, not change its name, but add our own kind of name to it, which is Saysia, which is actually, um, Saysia is an acronym of all the um, brothers fathers or the cousins fathers uh so that's Sagalkas, Ilu, my last name Ishua, uh Sunai, Ibuai and Aken um so yeah our our community name is actually an acronym which not many people know yeah <laughs> it's very it's very tied into the history the boat that the families migrated over on was called Saysia as well so um yeah when the Duggett came in which is a, a Queensland government deed of grant and trust about um, kind of like a sort of land tenure. Uh, we were able to 
you know, asked if, if the name of this little plot of land could be Saysia, but we also honour the Aboriginal name as well. And my mother is Fijian and she's got, so, that's a whole other, that's a whole other line. If you've got 20 minutes, we can go down that path. <laughs> my, I'm so like, I love to hear that story. I mean, I know that story, but you're, you're so right. There's so, there's people that have no idea and what's so, you know, being Cape York woman and, you know, family from the Torres Strait is just, it just feels so good to hear it out loud and it, it, we just keep sharing and telling that story. It's so important yeah. and it's it's so rich and the, the way our bloodlines have moved and shifted and created these communities is like, I mean, that's it's a part of who we are, I guess, and, I, you know, it makes my heart really warm. Oh, don't get emotional, Jax. Chill out. <laughs> um, because you're with the B, hey, because that's like yeah. South. But, yeah, Arakan or where? South where is Wissipi? Southeast, Southeast. Southeast. Okay. Shelburne Bay. Shelburne Bay. Shelburne on that. Bay. Okay, on the other side. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Torres Strait, you- Cape York represent. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. I hope this is a podcast because I just did some horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I just keep my hands to myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, did you? Did you, were you born there? Did you grow up there as, as a small girl? Like did, did you spend most of your life there at CCR? Um, I, so I was born on TI. There's no, at that time there was no hospital um, in Bamaga, which is like about seven kilometres from CCR. So I had to be born on TI, um, Thursday Island, sorry, for people who don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I spent about, we spent about seven years kind of in Saysia and TI back and forth. My dad had a job on TI. So um, while we were based in Saysia, you know, kind of moving back and forth. Um, but then after that, um, yeah, when I was, I think, seven or eight, we moved to Canberra. So my dad got a, a really good job, public service job um, in Canberra. And, yeah, we spent 12 years in Canberra. So the real kind of memories that I remember of growing up, um, little bits of it were in Saysia, but most of it was in Canberra. Um, yeah, we only just we, – we spent a few years, the first few years in Canberra, um, and, you know, it's so expensive to get back home, especially at that time. Flights were, mm-hmm. you know, longer than they were. Um, it took five days by car, so you only really could go at, at, around Christmas time if you're going to make that five-day trip effort. <laughs> yeah, we could only get back, <clears throat> excuse me, to Saysia around Christmas. So yeah. I didn't really have very many memories of Saysia when I was young. But, yeah, only only around Christmas time, which was a good time to be at home because everyone else is at home and, you know, it's a lot of fun. All your cousins are there and you get the mattresses out and <laughs> yes. walk around barefoot. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. I can't believe we've never, maybe we have when we were small in Canberra. So for those of you yeah. that don't, I have the exact same story. Well, not exact, but very, very similar. Like my parents, yeah. we were at TI and they got jobs in Canberra and we all moved and I was like six years yeah. old. Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah, it's a bit of a trip, hey. How did we not? I think, I, you know, I think we did. Because we lived in Canberra, we lived in Ngunnawal, and it seems like the rest of the Torres Strait Islander community lived like, you know, <laughs> what, Tuggeranong or, like, yeah, yeah, Southside. I was like, why did we choose here? 
<laughs> no, because we, we originally moved to Ngunnawal because one of my dad's like only other Canberra connections lived in Ngunnawal. So we actually rented like her house. Um, and then from there, we just got a house in Ngunnawal. But yeah, I remember going like doing these really long trips down to the south side to, yeah, for events. So I think we did meet, but we just, you know, we would have been young. I know. That's so crazy. I mean, for those of you that don't know, Ngunnawal is, you know, yes, is a traditional owner group in Canberra, but the, the suburb called Ngunnawal, like for me on the south, Ngunnawal was like Europe. Like it was because yeah. it was new and there were all these so houses, new houses. And, yeah, and now when you go yeah. back, that whole area, like Ngunnawal is old, like I'm doing quotation marks. Ngunnawal is old, so oh, it's so crazy. I mean, we would have. I think scary. it's awesome, but because... Like you, you, uh, you know, you, when I, you know, you, you, oh gosh, words, Jacqueline. Um, I don't know if you can relate to this, but if explaining that story to people is so hard. Like when people were asking me, oh, how did you move around in Canberra? And I was like, look, I don't know. I just, it's, so when I hear someone else have the similar story, I'm like, oh, my gosh, because there was a lot of us. It was a thing, right? Yeah, there was. Yeah, I, I think I felt a bit more like disconnected from it because my dad in his job, he had to travel like he was traveling three weeks of the four weeks of the month, you know, like most of my memories of him growing up was meeting him at the airport or sending him off at the airport. So like and Thank he you. was the yeah, he was the Torres Strait man. So, of course, like my mom felt a bit like, oh, should I go? Shouldn't I go to all those kind of gatherings? Um, yeah. yeah, it meant that we went to a lot of Fiji Indian parties instead. <laughs> so yeah. we were more like in, in the, you know, every Diwali we were, um, yeah, somewhere and hung out with a lot of mum's Fiji Indian friends or Fijian friends or Pacific Islander friends because my mum, she's super like she'll – I remember once we were in a supermarket and she saw someone who looked vaguely Pacific Islander, so she just like went up to this person and was like, Bula! <laughs> and just like went off went off in a Fijian thing and like we can't I couldn't understand it at the time but like we came out of the supermarket and I was like oh who is that like was that a relation and she's like no I just met him but um he has family ties to this family who I went to school with so she was <laughs> it's one of those things like when you're so isolated and disconnected and you see yes. someone who's like I think they may be Islander she just you know made a beeline for them and was oh like my a new friend <laughs> your mom sounds so cute oh, <laughs> she is like, obviously that would have been so embarrassing as a young person but now it's like oh yeah. bless. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about yeah. your mom's no, definitely because I want to le- learn more about her and her influence on you but going back to Stacey I like oh, gosh I have very vague memories of the little girl going across there by dinghy um can you paint a picture for me? Can you paint a picture for the Queen Mode fam about like what it looks Abstasia? like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um I don't know. It's there's so many ways to describe it, but I always like to say like what well, it's beautiful. It's a really stunning place. Um, you know, it's it's forty kilometers from the very northernmost point of the Australian continent. Um, it's on a beach. There's palm trees that line the ocean um 
we have one shop and out the front of that shop you'll see like a land cruiser an atv a horse thongs and dogs like that's just kind of the makeup of sacia like you've got four-wheel drive enthusiasts and kids riding on the back of um atvs and they're on horses and people leave their thongs outside the shop and they'll bring like this you know all the community dogs to the shop with them so you'll you kind of know like which kids or which families might be inside the shop because that dogs are outside <laughs> but yeah. yeah it's a really you know it's a really small place too i think we only have like 12 streets now um yeah it's it's just a really small beautiful familial community um like everyone in that community is family and connected somehow um and yeah we all just we've all seen it grow like the oldest person i think in sacia she's as old as sacia so it's auntie unice she's 73 years old and she can um like she came over on the boat when she was a baby so she's seen sacia grow and develop and you know see all the kids come young kids come through and become adults like she's yeah she's like a living history book of of that place and I remember my my older um my godmother she's my dad's eldest cousin she was 13 when they came over from Saibai so she still really remembers that trip um and she she always tells this story about when her and her little brother came off the boat she she told her little brother to kiss the sand because that was now home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> coming off the boat, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like there's too many ways to describe it, but to me, it's just it's home. It's beautiful. It's yeah. It's everything. <laughs> I think for those out there that actually want to get a beautiful representation through pictures and through documentation, is to head to Tali. Instagram because you, yep. for those that don't know, your photos as a non-photo knowing person, that's not words, <laughs> but are just so, uh, I don't know, the way you capture things, I, I'm truly blown away by, especially because of what you're capturing and I think that speaks to who I am, but the people and, you know, you created Faces of the Straits where you captured all the different, you know, people that make up who we are. But you also yeah. take beautiful of the land and the sea and the water and the coconut trees. And <laughs> you know, it's so if you haven't seen it, please go and look at Tyler's <laughs> page because it, it'll show you what Sace is like. It's so beautiful. So like all up there is beautiful. Um yeah. but how how did that start? Like how did you decide to just that you loved photography or you love that art form? Um, well, I didn't really know that I liked it at first. I So this is for Face of the Straits. I, um, I treated myself on Christmas, I think it was like 2017, to an iPhone um, and it was like one of those flash iPhones with the portrait oh. mode. So I just, yeah, one Christmas being at home, holidaying at home, just started taking lots of pictures and documenting um, like the cup Maori making process. Um, and for that, like so many families come in um, in the morning to, to help with the cup Maori, like they're cutting the coconut leaves, they're preparing the food in the kitchen, you know. Um, 
yeah, just getting all the condiments out to, you know, spice up the food a little bit. And all the boys are kind of around the pit, you know, digging it out, getting the the wood and the and the um, rocks ready. So I was just kind of documenting that process, and it's such a like joyous occasion that everyone is happy and they're laughing and they're tasting food and they're making jokes, they're reconnecting with people that <laughs> they haven't seen in so long because yeah, it it can be expensive um, to get up home. So some people leave it for quite a while, and so like five years people come home and everyone's like, oh, where have you been? How's it going? You know, just, you know, that kind yeah. of joyous time around Christmas. Um, so, yeah, I was just kind of documenting that day and posted on Facebook and people really just loved it. And, you know, I s- suddenly saw like all my portraits being like everybody's Facebook profile photos. <laughs> like, oh, I love this picture. I'm stealing it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was going through like my album and realizing that, uh, like within my own family, we've got, you know, Fijians, we've got, um, Aboriginal lineage, there's, you know, South Sea, like South Sea mob, there's, um, Southeast Asian bloodlines. Um, there's just, just looking at my family, like you wouldn't, if we had like a group shot of my family, you'd be like, are these people all the way? Because it's just so diverse. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many stories um, and histories that are like intermingled in there. So I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to kind of showcase like just how diverse a family or a community or an entire region could be? So I kind of came up with this name, Face of the Straits. I thought, oh, that's catchy. <laughs> and yeah, just yeah. made like an Instagram page um, and just started posting photos of of family because I thought you know there's so much you can tell so much about a person through their face and like you know the time that they've seen the creases on their face the features give away their heritage and yeah I just I just thought it was a beautiful um way to to show how diverse our region is like we've got you can see that in the food you can see that in the culture but can also see it in people's faces so that's kind of how that started it's so beautiful I'm like Mm -hmm. I think it's an amazing art form that you know a lot of talented first nations mob now are coming out and expressing themselves through this art form and I think it's you know people talk about documenting our stories and and our dances and our culture and preserving it but this is also mm. a, a form of pre- preservation I think like it's documenting who we are and and the yeah. people that we love um but I wanted to go back to your mama your mama and I I don't know but I'm assuming that um she's like a, a strong matriarch in your family um are there your mom, is there other women that you've just got, you've drawn strength from throughout your, your short young um, life? <laughs> uh, definitely. Yes. My mom is probably, yeah, the main, she's, you know, she's been there through everything with me. Um, definitely a strong, strong Island woman for sure. She's very, um, how do you say, I don't know she's just got this energy like everyone loves her she's a bit of a jokester but she's also very stylish and you know she doesn't let the fact that she's in a remote community impede her from like 
getting designer bags and just being like that so flamboyant kind of self. Um, so she's very, yeah, she's very strong in her identity and, you know, what she, like the standards that she sets for herself. Um, and she's just, she's very giving. She's really generous. Um, sometimes I think to her own detriment because I'm like, you just have to, you know, don't babysit this weekend, like take some time out for you. But she's always like, oh, I'll help. Oh, I'll do this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think she's she's just a very, yeah, she's a, she's sweet, kind, giving. Um, and she's just one of those people that brings other people together. Like I'd, I'd love to, yeah, one day kind of do a story on her because she, Aww. when she moved up to Sasia, she, you know, she was like 22 years old. Um, and throughout her whole time being married to my dad, she's brought over so many of our Sasia families to Fiji. Like it's so bizarre that this tiny little community in Cape York has such a strong connection to Fiji now because every second year we, we spend Christmas with my mom's family. And so we take a whole bunch of people with us each time from Sasia or Bamaga. Um, and it's just it's really lovely to see like all my Fijian family know all my Sasia family. And it's simply because this one woman has brought them together and made sure that, you know, these two separate families who otherwise would have nothing to do with each other are so intermingled. Like, you know, my nephew uh, who we took over to Fiji for the first time, his name his name's Serge, bless him. It was the first time he's like been out of Queensland, let alone like to another country. But now he's like, he's his, one of his best friends is my other nephew from Fiji. And like they talk on Instagram all the time. And it's just really like beautiful to see. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's just one of those women. Your mom um, sounds like, yeah. yeah. She, she just sounds She's amazing. pretty special. <laughs> I want to be like yeah. her. I want to be like her. I think there's. She just sounds so cute. Oh, I want to squeeze her, give her a big hug. Um, she yeah, she does no, enjoy think, big hugs. <laughs> oh yes, oi! Auntie's hugs are just. That's my safe space. I think just being in mm. in an old auntie's like source <laughs> area. Their smell like that. It's like baby <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Like that smell. Yeah, to yeah, like no, I do. Coconut it's oil and safe like, in here. Hi, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that makes me real sad. Have you taken a photo of her? Have you? Which, have she, has she let you? Every time I have a camera in my hand or a phone in my hand, she's like, oh, photo. But she's one of those people, every time you try and take a photo of her, she'll just start talking <laughs> and you're like, oh do you want me to take a photo of you or do you want to have a yarn like so like half the photos I have of her she's like and because she's so expressive when she speaks it's always this really like intense you know um she's just pulling the face so yeah I take she's yes there's lots of photos of my mom sometimes they're very forced like you know take a photo of me now look how glamorous I am (laughs) Like, I bought this new dress. Like, Come on, take a photo. Photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just yeah. sounds so good. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you, 
sticking with Stacey and, you know, all the things that you do. I mean, your professional career is, you know, you're so young. I mean, and all the things you've achieved is just so inspirational, like, to me. Um, and you, what's crazy is, like, your heart, like, what's so obvious to me is your heart is so big. So currently, for those that don't know, all the work you're doing in Saints, you're about cleaning up the beach, clean, you know, I know what that's like. I mean, I know what the, the rubbish, what flows up on the beach, where it comes from, who knows, but it's just constant, you yeah. know, up there. Yeah. Um, and how, how did that start? Was it you going home going, okay, I'm going to feel like doing something more? Because you do still work, like, what, full time and, and, and yet you're still giving so much to your community? Yeah. I um, So last year when I went home because of COVID, um, oh, yeah. I, I came out of um, quarantine and the first thing I wanted to do was go for a walk on the beach because it was it's one of the things that mm. really calms me. Like one of the first things I do when I go home is go to the beach and put my feet in the salt water. Um, and, yeah, I, I went to the beach and it was after, so it was around March, so it was after like wet season and after, you know, the Christmas king tides. And with that brings quite a lot of rubbish up to the beach and it gets caught in the reeds. Um, and I went for a walk and it just, just going for that walk really broke my heart because there was so much rubbish out there. Um, and yeah, it, it came from everywhere. Like if you had a look at the packaging or the, the plastic bottles that were washed up on the beach, it was, you know, from Southeast Asia in language, in, the packaging was in languages that we didn't know. Um, but there was just so much of it. And I looked back on a photo that same afternoon of what Stacey used to look like, the beach used to look like. Um, there's, I think we must have a really great day out because there's, there's like a set of these photos of all of us just playing on the beach and it was just pristine. Um, mm. And it would have been in the like probably the mid-90s. Um, and I don't know, it's just one of those things where I felt like, obviously there's just been so much pollution and um yeah people just don't care about rubbish and you know we're not the biggest producers of plastic in Torres Strait so obviously it's you know we're just bearing the brunt of this pollution crisis um and I just I didn't it seemed like such a big issue to even start to try and make a dent didn't seem like it could <laughs> really change anything but yeah we just you know that same afternoon had my walk on the beach went back looked at those photos and immediately just grabbed a bunch of um rubbish bags went back and just started picking up rubbish and there was a couple of kids on the beach who <laughs> saw me and was like oh I'll help Auntie Tale um and yeah it just kind of started Aww. from there like it was yeah it was so much rubbish and we just kept going back every day or every other day if it was raining um, just to pick up more rubbish and again posted on Facebook it was a really powerful tool to just show how much rubbish there was washed up on our beach or in our community and it just kind of started this you know movement of the community to pull up people who were chucking out rubbish that you know if they were chucking out rubbish on the ground um, yeah. and families to yeah show take a photo of themselves picking up rubbish on the beach that wasn't theirs. So, 
Yeah. It, it was yeah, three months when I was at home just picking up rubbish. I was working, but, you know, everyone was trying to figure out COVID at the same time. So yeah. it was kind of reduced hours. And, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we were just we were going hard at that stage, just trying to, yeah, instill more pride in our place, I think. And people really yeah. enjoyed seeing enjoyed seeing all the, the young kids get on board and um, help to keep their community clean. So it was nice. I love that. <laughs> Put more pride in place. you got to tag yeah. that, sis. you gotta, you got to copyright that saying. Oh, it's just so <laughs> nice. You know, I think people, especially that, you know, there's so much talk about sustainability and, and you know, low, what is it? lowering your footprint, carbon footprint, and all the things that you can do at home, single-use plastics, or all the things. Yeah. But I feel like, especially down south, there's just, uh, I feel like there's a, a view that I'm not, that the ocean is, like if it, something goes in the ocean, it goes to the ocean. But people don't understand that tides and the way things move, like putting rubbish yeah. not in the right place can most probably, you know, land with your neighbor or further up the coast or you know there's that's yeah. the way some tides move you know it never just goes to the ocean and stays out there it normally comes back um it comes back in some form yeah. yeah I think that's why it was probably so successful because like for us we understand the impacts of what we do can affect our ecosystem like yeah. you know it's very when I was chatting to my dad about it um he was, you know, very, very wise man saying that, um, yeah, like everything we do impacts our ecosystem and if our ecosystem suffers, then we suffer. And it's a very, like, it's a very cultural way of, of viewing things. Um, so we try and say that to the kids, like, why do we pick up this plastic bag? What does this plastic bag look like for turtles or dugong? Mm. Um, or sea creatures and they say oh it looks like a jellyfish and you know, oh they eat jellyfish oh well what if they eat this plastic bag do you think it'll be good for them and so you kind of like teach them it's a very long slow process and it, it takes a couple of months to really get ingrained you know in in a child's mind about the importance of you know picking up rubbish and what it could mean for what they eat um because, you know, we're, we love our seafood, so we're all yeah. eating fish, dugong yeah. and turtle. and um, yeah. yeah, so if you always tie it back to how it's going to affect you, um, it kind of sticks more. But, yeah, they're not going to get that in, like, an instant, you know. Yeah. Like, you could say oh. it and they mm. could comprehend it, but it's it's not going to last <laughs> very yeah. long in, in their memory. Like, you kind of just have to keep going back, keep reiterating the point, um, show why it's it's bad to throw out rubbish and like I remember one of my my um sometimes I looked after my um nieces four of them so like I like to get them gardening in the yard and part of that is like oh there's a little bit of plastic let's pick it up and put it in a bin so we'll you know go around the yard and pick up all the like bits of plastic or whatever's in there and as like a treat, I gave them a lollipop and they just took the wrapper and chucked it. I was like, oh, what did we just learn, kids? <laughs> 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 like, 
come on. Why don't we throw out our rubbish like this? Where is the bin? So it takes time, but yeah, the young kids, like, I feel like that's where the impact's going to be made because adults already have this kind of behavior. And if they get drunk and, you know, they chuck bottles on the ground, they're not going to like pick it up or if it's already smashed, like it's such an effort to pick up bottles. Anyway, but yeah, yeah it, it does have an impact. We had a little boy um, the other last week. We had to call triple zero because he sliced open his foot on um, broken glass that was left there from like a party or left on the ground from a party. So, you know, it does have um, an impact either immediately or in generations to come. Like, yeah, rubbish yeah. and pollution just, yeah, it's not good. Do you know what happened to me? That happened to me on TI when I was a small girl. Right, right where yeah. Gap to is now. Right where we, because yeah. you know how everyone used to swim there. Like you could swim there now. Yeah, it's not that. You know they try not, and avoid. Yeah, but that beach right in front of Gap, Gap to Tui, we were swimming, and one went straight through my big toe and my second toe, and I didn't have to carry me to the hospital from there. Oh my gosh, just, that's a bit of a walk. To do. I know they were like, I was like you know four they all had a limb oh, and our mum yeah. was at work so I was just at the school so yeah. I remember the that, that but yeah definitely there. those the, that glass you know from bottles and yeah it's not yeah. Good. that beach especially like it's, it's it'll just glisten I'm so in the sun. <laughs> that. yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of broken glass in that That's beach. Right. And I think, like, That's at right. this point now, it's quite, um, like, it's been shaped, so it's not very sharp anymore, but you can tell, like, it's a broken bottle of glass. Yeah. That's good. They're all still there. Yeah, it's all still there. So I think they need, like, a big vacuum or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I'm... Like that's the that's the best. Like when I heard you do that, and I'm seeing it on your Instagram and all the things, I'm just like, it's so good. I'm just like so impressed with it. And in fact, those kids are learning from you, and you know the big auntie Carle. Like I think it's just so beautiful that they're learning new skills and learning to open their eyes up to like what impact they can make in their future. So yeah. I'm, I'm just impressed. This it's so good. But I do want to ask you, like, what's next? For you what what's 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 going on with you and next year and I know COVID's just been the worst but mm. is there something coming up that you're excited to work on or um, I know we've, we've got a few things going like I've I've reduced my work hours so I'm you know part-time and just trying to focus mm. on life at home and doing um a few more things for for my community like we've got a bunch of projects that we're working on. Um, we've got a project with AEC, the Electoral Commission, trying to do things a bit differently with enrolling young people to vote and them trying to get them to understand the importance of using their voice um, and using their vote to to get better things for our place. So, you know, I think when government comes in saying, oh, this is really important, please enroll to vote, do your census or whatever it is, um, they they come in and they expect people to just listen to them. Whereas um, we've got this partnership now where we say, well, let's not create this whole new meeting and, you know, try and entice people with food. Let's just go to where people are. So we've got like these volleyball games that are going and all Mm -hmm. these 
young people are coming along, all these fresh out of school 18 year olds um, or people who have never ever enrolled to vote before. Um, so we're just going there to to enroll them. Um, we've got a project with the Mayu Kauai lot at um, ANU to do like a community census, like wow. so there's, you know, census data, which is kind of useful, but for, for in terms of like our community, it doesn't really capture, um, you know, other aspects of social and emotional well-being. So we, we want to try and figure out what our community looks like in, in that regard, like who who needs what services. We don't have childcare um, and we kind of need to capture all this data to be able to go for bigger projects because yeah. if you like say a story like, oh, we don't have childcare, but you can't kind of put it in data for grants yeah. or when you approach yeah. organisations, it's just it's really hard to get traction. So. Yeah. We're doing that next year and it's really good. We're getting um, five community members to survey the rest of the community and um, for each survey that gets done, a household gets like a power card. So we don't pay, we can't, we pay for energy, but in a different way. So we have these cards that you put money onto and then you like stick it in a slot in your house and then you have $20 or $40 or $50 worth of power. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just trying to find ways to, um, with with every project that we do, trying to find ways to make it benefit the community immediately as well as like in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one, and we're getting a, a bit of money with that um, project, and so we're spending it on um, like a projector and projector screens so that yes. people people can come into the office. Um, to to a place and you know access all this really great stuff that's being put online because you know yeah. people in our community some can't afford you know wi-fi um or not always afford wi-fi and the, the bandwidth is it, it's a bit of a struggle internet's always a bit of a struggle at home um so yeah just creating this space where we can zoom in people who can impart knowledge or you know allow our young people to gain a connection um, and I've had a few people say, oh, I'd really love to be involved in that, you know, just friends sharing their kind of history and work experience and saying, well, there is there is this opportunity. Would anyone in the room, like, be willing to take up this opportunity? So I just found, like, during COVID that every, a lot of things were being put online and everyone was able to access a lot more um, because of COVID, yet, you know, remote communities struggle with kind of basic internet access. So mm. I so wanted our community members to be able to access the same things like, um, you know, IBA budgeting and finance and thinking about buying your own home. Like those sessions are all being put online and I was like, Let, let's get everyone involved. But, you know, people barely like there's not very many people who have laptops um, probably more yeah. iPads than laptops, but yeah, just the kind of infrastructure needed to um, zoom into those opportunities is a bit of a struggle. So we're trying to find a way to just get everyone in a room and go, here is, I don't know, Jack's Compton yeah. from, oh. and she's going to, she's going to share her, her work <laughs> history and insights and you up I'll be sitting, opportunities. I'll be sitting there in the room. I'll be sitting there. I'll, if I'm going to go there, I would be sitting there in the room. 
<laughs> that would um, be awesome. We'd, we'd love to have you. But yeah, there's just yes. um, a lot of community projects going on and trying to get more um, community members to, to be involved in those things. Because, yeah, I guess, like I know from my work experience in government that government always kind of reaches out to the same people and they're not always aware of these, you know, this whole cohort of individuals that can provide so much insight and advice um but yeah so where i was really proud last week we had um doing a project with health consumers queensland to try and create covid materials um like to prepare households for covid if it ever comes into the community so like a checklist oh. you know do you do you have a place to isolate um if you're in an overcrowded home what can you do kind of things and then one of them uh, part of that was like doing a covid positive script so like mm. someone calls you up and tells you and you have to go through like a set of questions um and we had two community members come in to that like forum um and it was a paid opportunity to say you know like to just give their feedback and insight on how it is in a remote community and how that script might be received and you know, the things that these, you know, other people, um, Evelyn and Anson, who was in the in the room with me, was like, it's just too complicated. Um, you know, where's the, in, like, interpreter? Um, what if there's a dropout? Like, we have to, in the first kind of five minutes, you have to kind of say, uh, um, if it drops out, can I call you back on this number or is there a better number? Like, just, mm. just things that people in Brisbane would not understand, yeah. <laughs> like, about the struggles of remote telecoms but yeah so they got paid for giving their advice and you know that's that's part of the thing like they've shaped this the script and if 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 it ever was needed in in our community it it's now a lot more um yeah it's it's a lot more it would be a lot more easier to understand for the remote community members who may have you know english as their second or third language yeah for sure so, yeah how exciting so <laughs> the, the answer to that question was i'm going to be really busy <laughs> yes <laughs> i'll be a bit busy in 2022 <laughs> busy. Sorry. Busy. sorry that was a very long-winded no it was question. fine it was really good I, I think it's not unusual that's what it is like if, all the women you know a lot of first nations women we all do all the things because we want to, our hearts are very big, we've got a lot of passion, we want to, you know, do all things. So whatever we can do to make those things happen. So I'm like, I'm here for it, sis. And I'm so like, I think I'm so grateful that you took time today to yarn with me. And I I hope to come up soon. I want to come visit you. I want you to go do. to Stacey. I want to go up to TI. I want to go there. That's something that's for fun and for to see family and nothing that's, you know. Yeah business and all the things that I normally go up there for. So hopefully I'll be yeah. looking at your face soon, which will be very exciting. That would um, be but, awesome. Come yeah. to Stacey, we'll take you out, do a cup Mari, go on a dinghy ride. <laughs> I'll never leave. <laughs> I'll never leave. Um, I've got three. I've got, I'll do some quick fire questions. So it's just the fun thing at the end where I just ask yep. you something really quick and you just got to tell me your first thought. So no pressure. Okay. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, if, they, if you want to go along with it, go for it. Okay. Favourite, favourite, can I speak? Favourite band, artist or musician? 
like all time? So um, I don't I don't think I have a favorite, but probably the Eagles, Lionel Richie, Luke Evandros, Whitney Houston, people of that. Yes. Yeah. Love that. that. Okay. Um, Who would be your dream creative to collaborate with? Steve McCurry. He inspired a lot of faces of the straits and I um, have a signed book by him, which was one of the best presents I've ever received in my life. So he was the person who uh, he he took that very very famous photo for National Geographic of the the Afghan girl, the one with the very green piercing eyes. So, yeah, he would be my dream collaborator. Everybody manifest, manifest, manifest. Yes, get that going. <laughs> You're probably listening to this, like obviously. Um, <laughs> who uh, is there? Someone in our First Nations community that inspires you? Like any peers? Oh gosh, you've met um, or... so many people. The person who inspires me daily is Bubba Luke Luke Curry Richardson. Just seeing Who's his post. <laughs> Oh, it's just really like, you know, underground artist now. <laughs> Look quiet on his Instagram. Um, yeah. Yes. If yeah. you have, don't follow Bolo Luke, go and follow. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah. He's a good follower. I'll pinch his face, though. He's pretty amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll still pinch his face. Duh. <laughs> No, that's amazing. There's so many, right? We're all, it's just blossoming. Yeah. It's good to be, yeah. like, I'm glad to be my age in this space because I don't think I could handle being young and, like, in my early 20s in this space, but I'm so proud of yeah. those that are. Um, yeah. And the last one is what's your favourite way to unwind? A walk on Sacia Beach at dusk waiting for the sunset and preparing um, dead coconut leaves for a good bonfire. That's, that is the best way to unwind. And I, if you see my Instagram, I do that quite often. <laughs> yes. I'll just well, be posting a bonfire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, all right. I was actually just thinking, how am I going to do that here? <laughs> I'm just going to have to go home. There's no other questions. Okay. You know, on TI, you can't actually do that. You can't do a bonfire. One of my friends tried it and they just got what pulled up and was like, yeah. ah, you can't do a bonfire in TI. It's so bizarre. All the things. There's so many rules now, you know. Can't swim yeah. off the jetty. Can't do Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, but we, we, we did it when we were young. Yeah. <laughs> didn't we? Yeah. We didn't jump enough. Every time I go up there, I go at least up to my waist and be like, oh, sorry, yeah. drop my no, but. I fell over and now I'm swimming. (laughs) I was trying to go in after my fishing line. No. Um, (laughs) um, Anyway, I appreciate you, sis, and I hope that you. Thank you so much for this yarn. Enjoy up there and give everybody big cuddles and kisses and all your cousins that we each know and, you know, enjoy that time. I'm, you know, in awe of it. So enjoy it. I'm proud of all the work you're doing and. Everyone out there, follow along because it's really inspiring. So, yeah, well, thanks, thanks for It's been good to catch up. I know. We'll see you soon. <laughs> All right. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and would love to hear more inspirational stories, consider joining QM Sanctum. 
This is our virtual home, membership space, and community filled with passionate people, also dedicated to the personal development of First Nations women. We'd love to connect with you on there. Also, remember to subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a pleasure as always, and we'll catch you on the next one. We